Hey everybody, welcome to a special episode of History Unloaded with Ashley and Danny. And today we're going to talk about Ashley's congressional testimony. Yes. Ashley, <laughs> did you or did you not testify in front of Congress? I testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Stopping Gun Violence. Uh, hashtag ghost guns. <laughs> it was actually, there was a colon. It was stop gun violence, colon, ghost guns. But I think they should have made it a hashtag so it was more relevant. <laughs> I don't know that the Senate Judiciary Committee is where you go to find the latest in relevancy. Like, literally, it's like Senator Mumenthal, Senator Cruz, and like Senator Feinstein. So, like, I think you're accurate in that assumption. So, tell us a little bit about what it was like to. I'm kind of curious, what is it like when you get a call from a senator's office? How's that feel? Well, it wouldn't be the first time I got a call from a senator's office. I mean, Questionable. <laughs> well, we live in Wyoming. That's true. The senator's We've talked office. to our senators yeah. before. Yeah. Um, so it was really weird. Um, and I, I've told the, I think I told this story once more, once before, but I basically had gone to lunch and had a, had a whiskey. And I had this email and a voicemail when lunch was over uh, from Larry Keene, who's the SVP of uh, National Shooting Sports Foundation. And he was like, hey, this was a Thursday. And he was like, hey, um, I, there, you know, Senator Cruz's office is looking for a witness for this you know, Judiciary Committee meeting on Tuesday. I think you'd be really good. Do you mind if I pass your information along? Give me a call. I was like, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so I called him, kept it together. He called them. So then they called me a few hours later. And like the way it went, it sounded like they were taking everything I was saying and then they were just going to give it to somebody else. You know, like they had a million questions. And to be perfectly honest, in that moment, I did not have all the answers because uh, it was ghost guns. And that's not, um, you know, the history of privately made firearms. When I sat down and processed it, mm -hmm. that made sense. But like when you just hear that term, you're like, well, I don't, right. know. I don't know anything about that. I used to be a ghost hunter. Does that count? Like, <laughs> So I think I told her that on the phone because, again, whiskey. Um, so, yeah, so they were like, great. You know, and then I... I, I was told we'll be in touch um so i felt like that was a sneaky like we're never gonna call you again so i was googling like we'll be in touch does that mean they'll actually be in touch and like it's a 50 50 split it would have been very ironic if the senate committee on ghost guns ghosted you oh my god that would have been awesome. Also, I really would have appreciated if you had opened your testimony as a former ghost hunter and talked about the I, problematic 61 Springfields that ghosts carry around when they haunt things. The Battle of Gettysburg. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, they, so Friday rolled around, like, literally nothing. So I'm like, I guess, oh, I guess I'm not cool. And so then, like, I think it was, like, Friday at 3 p.m., which is 5, 6 o'clock um, Eastern time. Yeah. Um, and this is the government. Like, I thought, like, they shut right, down for the weekend. Right, right. Apparently not. Uh, like, these people. And so they called and they were like, hey, we'd love for you to come. And I was like, awesome. And they're like, with COVID, there can only be one witness in the room. Do you want to come? And I was like, of course. Like, are you yeah. like, Elle Woods does, like, Senate Judiciary testifying? I'm in. So it was Friday night. I found out I was going. Yeah, I was told I had to write a report that could just be my five minute oral testimony or it could mm -hmm. be longer. So, of course, it was 20 pages with footnotes. Right. Um, and so they told me it was due 5 p.m. Monday. So I booked my flight for Sunday. So I had all day Monday to write it until I got the actual invitation from Senator Blumenthal's office that says it's due at 10 a.m. Monday. And I was <laughs> on a plane for most of Sunday. So I cranked that out and I submitted it at 9.59 a.m. 
one minute before, probably less than a minute before it was due. Uh, but yeah, it's it happens really fast. Like I think that's yeah. pretty normal. I think if I remember, um, the senator's office said that basically when the when Democrats you know run the committee or Republicans run the committee, they set the they set the like like the subjects and they don't necessarily tell them um way in advance so the other side has to like get the witnesses really quick and get them in there and they said they're like and sometimes we don't even know exactly what the hearing's about but they were like they made this one pretty clear yeah so what you're saying is part of the federal government does actually move quickly and it was not a hearing on 61 Springfields. It was not. Um, ironically, though, it was a hearing on quote-unquote ghost guns, and I don't think 3D printing got brought up at all. That's pretty remarkable. I think it's because all of us in the room recognized that we were, like, middle to old white dudes, and that, right. like, we just can't relate. So what would you say the hearing was actually about? Um, the hearing was actually about... Uh, <laughs> I say this as someone, I ask this question as someone who watched the hearing and I'm still not sure. <laughs> I'm right. Um, the hearing was, okay, so this actually, is, I'll, I'll say something serious and then I won't, but I thought the hearing was really about the ATF proposed amendment that was released the Friday before, but like, I don't think anybody in that room had read it because I right. was talking about it. That's what I got to because I was, I'm with you on that because I, that rule announced, the new proposed rule about receivers that everybody's talking about gets proposed and there's a hearing the very next week on what this new rule is supposedly addressing and like that new definition how, did it even get brought up? I brought it up like like yeah. a lot, but nobody seemed to want yes. to go on. So in my mind, the ultimate goal of the hearing was to have three Democrat witnesses, and I'm not speaking ill, you know, of that political party. Right. They just were witnesses for the Democratic Party. Um, there to basically say we need to get rid of these um, because they're bad, and not really provide much context of that and also to take a jab on like privately made firearms and artistry like they were yeah. like these are not artistic and i was like okay okay bro like it's not your call that's not your call but i'm, I'm gonna have to resist the urge to just dunk on modern art for a bit so we'll move past that um well and and at the in the opening statement of senator blumenthal he said something to the extent of like i'm asking you know here today for the support of his Untraceable Firearms Act of 2021 or something like that. So I think that ultimately the goal was gotcha. he wanted to introduce something and for the sake of the circus, we had to talk about it. Um, gotcha. And while I had really an awesome conversation with Senator Blumenthal both before and after, um, even though we don't agree, you know, I don't think that – I think all of it was very contrived and – it's nice that the public can hear it, you know, all five people watching C-SPAN, but right. it was, I mean, it was a total, to me, a circus because it was just say what you want to say and we're just going to ignore all of it. Do you, do you think they knew the ATF rule was coming out that Friday before? I would imagine. Like, was, was this coincidental or was it time to come out with that? I have no idea, but I I would assume they knew. Um and then it was leaked too, wasn't it? I thought it was. Yeah, it got it got rumored a little bit before. Yeah, so I'm sure they did. I mean, if they were if they were doing planning, I'm sure the staffers, you know, that put together all this stuff knew that something was coming down the pike. <laughs> Is it pike or pipe? What? Is it pike or pipe? It's pipe. No. I thought it was pipe. Pike makes sense in a really old way, as like pike as in a road. Yeah. But I've always thought it was pipe. 
No, really? <laughs> We're just both staring at Camila, hoping she has some secret knowledge of expressions. <laughs> oh my god, coming down! I the... think he's right. But coming down the pike, it's a road. Yeah, like I can see a wagon but rolling feel, down the pike. Yeah, I've heard that too, but I feel like I've, more recently I've only heard pipe. Maybe it's like a what weird comes linguistic down a pipe? shift. Oh, liquid. Liquid. <laughs> <laughs> what comes down a pipe? I was thinking about like a pipe, pipe, like a pipe you smoke, and oh no, no, no. There's no. nothing like, coming down that pipe. If there's like, something coming down that pipe, you're gonna choke. <laughs> like plumbing pipe. Plumbing. Pipe. Oh, I don't like it. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Pike. I kind of like Pike better. It's more historic. It's like how I don't know if it's um, one fell swoop or one foul swoop. Fell. Oh. I'm pretty sure. One fell swoop, and like uh, usually you can. Yes. Just... <laughs> <laughs> nodding my head, and <laughs> <laughs> that time she was very authoritative. <laughs> Anyways, back to testifying. Back to testifying. You know, I don't. I don't know if they w- would have 100 percent known, but I would assume so. Like they know what's going on, right. and they also knew that the Chipman hearing was coming up. So I'm right. sure there was a lot because um, th- there's a lot of movement that I'm sure we don't know anything about. But I felt like, at least for my part, that I had like a really meaningful dialogue with the senators. Right. Um, you know, with Blumenthal at the end. I loved it. I was so excited. I was like, let's go. You yeah. know, like yeah. and it was I'm so glad he, you know, he did it because he didn't have to do it. Um and I think he accidentally walked himself into a wall a little bit with it. But um but it was great. I mean he and I, like the back and forth was just so much fun. And it was a I, it was very much appreciated because in hearings you don't get to speak unless you're spoken to. So you get your five minutes, but then if nobody asks you a question, you're just out. You're just out. Like, and so I had feverish notes that I'd been taking when other people were speaking when things weren't accurate or like I had a thought. And so at one point in my testimony, I got asked a question from Senator Lee, and I wanted to answer something else. So I said I answered his question really quick, and then I was like, okay, I want to talk about this just real quick because you get five minutes. You know, each right. senator gets five minutes to get questions out. So, um, you know, you can address things that you want. You just have to remember to write them down. So the fact that he gave me a platform to speak right. again for five more minutes was awesome. Because it could have just been, I mean, since Senator Lee was there, he was going to be able to ask some questions regardless. But it could have been uh, Senator Blumenthal and the other, they could have just asked like the Giffords rep the whole time for sound bites. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, it wasn't Giffords, it was every town. But, oh, same um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it wasn't, I mean, they did do that for for to some extent, and you know, it's it's kind of interesting because my mom said, "My mom, I'm an adult. When my mom wants me testify on the hill, um, <laughs> she said that the other witnesses were being handed stuff that they were then reading, and so it was oh, yeah, interesting sure. to me because um, it was the difference between somebody that is um, a subject matter expert and somebody that works in a position where they can't possibly know, you know, the answer to all of those things, and so they rely on their staff, just like the politicians or the senators, where they were getting handed stuff all the time gotcha that was me being nice i i'm apologies to the journalist in the room i lost my journalistic integrity i showed my bias there in my question my line of questioning by uh, equating giffords and every town oh uh, yeah well, and honestly i had a great conversation with um both josh Sapina, josh Sapina, josh shapiro and nick saplina uh josh shapiro is the attorney general for pennsylvania and nick saplina is the director of policy or something for gotcha. every town which i think i've actually met on a panel with him before um so i don't know it was interesting because i i yeah he didn't have to ask me those questions right he, because what was funny was after we went back and forth and i kind of uh, made him. Look- I feel like you need to talk about what your back and forth was about because not everyone may have watched it. 
Well, then they missed <laughs> You out. just keep on saying our back and forth, but uh, what was it okay. on? Um, we also haven't talked about what I actually talked about in the first place. Well, then get there. <laughs> so so let me just give you a quick summary on like what happened. And then, okay. So I was asked to write a statement and, and discuss uh, the history of privately made firearms in the United States, which actually might be the best term that ATF has ever coined. Privately made firearm. Yeah, that's they're trying to put that into the proposed amendment PMF, and it's actually like a decent. That's a decent name for it. They will mess up the definition, but it's a good sure. categorization of it. So I was there to to talk about that, and then I also they didn't ask me, but I also <laughs> added in. Um, a little bit on um, the use of specific terminology that we present to the public and how the public perceives that terminology. And um, so the history of privately made firearms in the, in the United States is basically as old as the United States. It's, you know, people ordering parts kits from overseas and making firearms. The fact that, like, until you get mass manufacture, like, they're all privately made firearms. Right, yeah, until they invent... Until someone invents the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so we talk about that and the importance of it and then the continued importance of it even after mass manufacture. Right. So I went through all those things. I did, um, didn't did phrase it like this, but I wanted to. I'm like, yeah, there was a privately made you know, machine gun in some crazy Mormon's backyard and his name was John Moses Browning and the government didn't mind. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so I was praying that. But then the, the part of my testimony that I felt was more valuable, at least I felt was more valuable, was the term ghost gun. I wouldn't use it um, when I was there because it provides a false sense of authority on the subject. So you hear the term ghost gun, like, what does that mean? And so a lot of people, like, will kind of close the loop in their brain on what they think that it means and, and move forward with that. And so I talked a lot about how you say one thing and the public thinks it's one thing, but then your law or your proposed amendment doesn't actually accomplish that. Like right, the ATF amendment doesn't really actually accomplish any of those things. Right. It was very clear. I mean, you alluded to this earlier. Part of the hearing was to create, you know, sort of a, a TV clip of them answering questions or whatever about this proposed bill. Um, but then there's sort of the term is about perception and why you say that privately made firearm is a pretty good term because that gets away from the perception and it encompasses so-called ghost guns. It encompasses, you know, somebody building a long rifle kit in their house. It, it encompasses so much more, which I guess a long rifle kit would be a ghost gun too. Yeah. By the common usage. And have you guys just heard that? That was Marley making a little sleepy squeak. I heard it. <laughs> I did not hear it. Uh, he's totally asleep. Um, so anyways, so the, getting to that point was the, the back and forth with Senator Blumenthal. And um, that was a great moment for me to continue to, like, hammer in on the fact that, you know, I don't care if you agree with the law or not or you want a ban or not. If you are presenting it one way and doing something else, then you're, you know, whether it's ignorant or intentional, um, then you're misleading your constituency. And you're in, in terms of, you know, violence, I mean, you're giving them a false sense of security um and so that was kind of my big my big point and so the back and forth with Blumenthal started with you know I actually had messed up a statistic in my report which is why you always stay in your lane and you don't drink red wine while you're writing footnotes um so <laughs> I mean it sounds like I have a drinking problem <laughs> <laughs> it started with whiskey now we're under red wine yeah um so so like he pointed out a statistic that he was act he was correct and unfortunately and well fortunately for him I didn't have my notes in front of me because the number was what I think it was 212,000 I said straw purchases um in 2017 and there were only 12 you know prosecutions um he then said are you sure that those weren't Nick's denials and I was like 
no. And then I was like, oh, maybe. Um, and he didn't push it. And he didn't push it because if I had had those notes in front of me, right. it didn't look good for them either. Because, yes, it was Nick's denials. But then there was only 12,000 that were investigated and the only 12 prosecuted. So it's still not a great number. Right. It's not a great look for anybody either way. But it, it, it yeah. The, the stat you had was not just straw purchases. Yeah. And so it was a little confusing. But if you read that report, it's like literally like nobody investigated because nobody had the money to do it. I mean, right. it's really I mean, ultimately, it's a I, rough report. Had I had that in front of me, it would have ended badly for him. I th- he assumed probably knew that I didn't. Um, so then we moved on and he and he did. He was like, we'll just move on. We'll, you know, touch base afterwards. Um, and then he goes into asking me. I don't even remember what he first asked me about, but it ended up being about how I personally felt about background checks and I don't provide my personal opinion and I learned afterwards that that's something sneaky that politicians do to get you to say under oath you know a personal opinion so I avoided that and then he um, he had the greatest pause on the planet when I told him I wouldn't you know do that his like face was just like like puckered and was just like and then he came back with are you aware that 90 to 95 percent of people in America, support universal background checks, which, one, we were not talking about universal background checks. Right, that well, was a different topic. Well, yeah, but it, when he asked me about background checks, he wasn't talking about universal. Right. He didn't, he didn't right. qualify that. So I was thinking just regular background checks. And so that, and two, the hearing wasn't about universal background checks. So it was super out of left field. So he said that to me, and my answer um, was basically that this is a great point because I made the point about ghost guns and universal background checks is that you get these terms that, of course, people are going to get behind, even though you don't necessarily do what you say you're doing. Right. So you have to really evaluate the law being proposed, the amendment being proposed, and whether or not it's doing that and whether or not it's enforceable or even right. feasible to be done. Um, and so and then he like it was supposed to end on that. And then he had to turn to his witnesses and be like, can I just get like a final word on whether <laughs> on whether or not let you end on that. Yeah. he's like on whether or not getting ghost guns off the street will reduce crime? And then we're all like, of course, yeah, woo! And then they ended. Yeah. So overall, what? <laughs> how would you rate the like a positive experience, negative? It was the best. I loved okay. it. <laughs> it was so easy. Yeah. Um, and it was easy because. This is a scenario where you write a report and you write your oral testimony because you get five minutes. And unless all of the Republican senators plagiarize you, right. you get to read that report, which I didn't get to do. But um, but, you know, it's you know, so you're so prepared when you go in that, you mm-hmm. know, ultimately, unless you get thrown a real weird curveball and don't know how to answer a question with I don't know. Um, I w- that's not my area. Oh, I'll that would be that me later. for sure. Yeah. Well, that's how you're supposed to answer if you're going to get cornered. Well, like, but. <laughs> Okay, so I if Danny does this trip, yeah, right? Like I go in, I write a, probably a similar report. I call you, we write like a report roughly similar to the one you submitted. But then when it comes time for questions, it's like, Danny, how do you feel about background checks? <laughs> well, let me tell you what. <laughs> I work for the ATF, and let me tell you. Well, you know, I, also the, it, it falls under the whole, like, you always sound really guilty. Like, <laughs> all the time. So, like, they would be like, well, have you ever? You have know? you ever Have you ever bought a gun without a background check? I'd be like, well, this one time, time behind a, <laughs> it was at night. It was behind a donut shop, and the lights were out. It wasn't near a cop mall? That was a separate time. Oh. The other time was a uniformed police officer. So, like, I feel like that you're more likely to do something like that. Uh, <laughs> can we just have the hearing on Danny's sketchy gun buys in the past? Legal, though. Legal. legal. They but were if, all legal. They're legal, but if someone who supported gun control heard them, 
Oh, I would love to like just go and throw a whole wrench into the whole debate as like Danny tells all the sketchways he's bought or traded a gun legally. that were legal. Yeah, legally. You got it. You got it. Like you that keep time, saying okay. sketch. You gotta... So I say I say that, but that time in the donut, like he had a CNR FFL03. I had an FFL03. Like we're like, hey, here's mine. Show me yours. <laughs> and like again in a back alley. Um, <laughs> 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 and we traded guns. Like, it was fine. <laughs> Tradesies. Tradesies. Did you get a donut out of it? That's where I got that. No, that's not where I got the Ishapur 410. I got a different infield then. So, I think I gave him a Tokarev. All in all, <laughs> I loved it. It was the most prepared I've ever been for anything in my life. And uh, Danny should not get that <laughs> Danny, phone call. Danny should never. NSSF, if you're listening, never let me, never let me go. Actually, I do have a follow-up to this. Okay. So you were allowed to have a person with you at your hearing. <laughs> why question, wasn't it you? Why was it not me? Um, well, multiple reasons. One, I was <laughs> panicking Friday night. Sure. Um, so I wasn't going to invite anybody. Like right. I literally wasn't going to have anybody. I okay. Let me actually. I didn't even know I was like supposed to have someone until <laughs> Die Muller was like. You want me to come? Like, who do you want me to send? And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm just trying to write my report. Yeah. So I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't super personal. And also, I didn't get paid to go. And I had to pay my way. So like, I figured you weren't going to. I probably would have. Yeah. <laughs> I would have thought about it. Sorry, I almost burped. <laughs> um, so next time. I you mean, you come. made the right decision. I'm not like. Well, yeah. So clearly, basically, I'm... the person sitting behind me was. Um, a woman who helped me uh, basically prepare um, told me what to expect. Like, this is what she does for a living. So, yeah. um, and she's helped out, like, Chris Chang, who spoke um, yeah. in front of the Senate, or I don't know if it Congress. We'll just say Congress because I don't yeah. know who it was, uh, about um, violence against Asian Americans. And so she had helped prep all of their, like, testimonies, making sure they were formatted correctly, kind of giving you the rundown on, like, this is what's going to happen and this is how you need to handle it. And so she was great. And so she ultimately um, was a great lifeline for me leading up to it. I wish she could have written me notes. Like, maybe, like, okay, we'll end on this because Camila's giving me the wrap-up. Um you're going to come next time, okay. and you're going to hand me notes. Oh, they're just going to be screeds oh, yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're going to hand me notes that have nothing to do with the hearing So to just try to mess me up. Yeah. So that I'll be like, well, actually, when you look at universal background checks, and then it'll be like a butt or something, like, <laughs> it'll be that note I got about Hitler. Oh, yeah. yeah. About I know why I'm going about. to hell, yeah, or yeah, the yeah. gun museum people are going to hell. Like, you'll just, like, yeah, just send me, Weird like, reference, but I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, send me notes that, like, make no sense just Got to it. try to trip me up so that it's it's more difficult in the future. Cool. All right. We have an agreement. Deal. I'll be there next time. All right. Hopefully they call me. Maybe not now after they listen to this. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Hey everyone, Danny and Ashley here, and we are excited to announce a season five of History Unloaded. Now, I know that we have always been really, really focused in our analyses of firearms history from episode to episode, but you know what? We're gonna try to do even better in season five. If I could use one word, two words to describe the history of History Unloaded, it would be focused and serious. <laughs> focused? And- good at words and the word like and the word like 
But in this new season, check it out. It is all about new gun owners. So I don't know if you've heard, but there have been a lot of gun owners, uh, new gunners in the past year or so. And so we want to talk about all of the different historical opportunities for those people, whether it be understanding where gun owners have come from in the past, understanding collecting. We also talk a lot about new scholarship, museum ideas to welcome all these new gun owners. And then, you know, we talk a little bit about future. And Danny mentions robots. I talk about robots weirdly a lot. So we hope this didn't scare you away and that you check us out for season five of History Unloaded. Catch you all soon.